So welcome here. Um, we understand that we are not the first here on this beautiful land. And we feel a responsibility to acknowledge that those who came before us still live amongst us. So we gratefully proclaim that we live and work and play on the traditional lands of the Kwatland, Semiamu, and Stolo people. And we will do our best to honor them by being good stewards of this land with them. So Jesus, thank you so much for inviting us here this morning. And because your in invitations aren't empty, we expect to receive something from you today. So help us to have our eyes and our ears and our hearts, our minds open to what you have. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, we have something fun. Kathy, do you want to come on up here? She doesn't really want to. So for, for the next while, we're going to be uh, interviewing people on Sunday mornings. So um, both Zoom and um, both Zoom and live. So it, it's a way of um, our Zoom folks getting to meet some of the people who only join us um, live and for live people to get to meet some people on Zoom. So Kathy is our second interviewer. We interviewed uh, Judy last week. Um, on Zoom. So I've been using your first name, but um, can you tell us your name, where you live, and who and what live in your home? So uh, my name is Kathy Renault, and I'm in living in Langley, and I live with my two daughters, and um, my brother lives in the basement of my house. Yeah, so my daughters are in, my youngest is in grade 12, and my oldest is in her second year of university. <laughs> is it the stand? Let's go this way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have any pets? No pets. Well, a fish. A fish. <laughs> fish count. <laughs> um, how long have you been a part of our Sunday morning gatherings, and how did you come across us? I think it's it was about a year in the summer that I've been here for. And um, so my dear friend, Ginny, who's been helping me on my Christian walk, I'm pretty new to all this, um, told me about the bridge. Her daughter learned about you guys at the Mission Pride Festival. Yeah. So, yeah. How long have you been a Christian? It's like early in 2020. So when she told me that, when she first arrived, I just... I was just so surprised because I didn't think they made new Christians anymore. <laughs> so that's really lovely. Um, what brings you joy? And like, what makes you feel joyous? So um, I think I, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time to ruminate on this. So I'm just going to... Um, for me, I've been spending a lot of time working on myself and learning how to like be embodied and so as I'm learning how to calm my brain and think like just be I I just there's just joy everywhere when the hamster wheel isn't like going crazy right yeah good point um what would you like to be known for I think 
that I tried really hard to learn God's language of love. Mm, it's hard. At it. It's not that. It's a complicated language. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, do you have anything that you want prayer for that we can be praying for you? So I actually really struggle with prayer. It's a strange. I still don't understand the concept of prayer. And I also find it very vulnerable to ask for prayer. So what's been laid on my heart in the last couple of days, I just, I think I would like to pray for the bridge to become the community that God wants in this particular moment. Snap. That's good. Thank you. I love the color of her hair. Um, thank you, Kathy. I know that cost you a lot. Um, <laughs> Kathy also helps us uh, with having coffee on Sunday mornings. So she's going to be behind the table that you're about to um, descend upon. And uh, you can say hi, Kathy, if you um, would like to have a little chat with her. So um, we're going to just break for a few minutes now. Oh, kids are going to be in the foyer with Sarah, and um, they're going to have some things to be doing. And we're going to grab coffee, and I'll call you back in a few minutes for us to um, move on to the next thing. Song, but in case you didn't know, this is Brenda who wrote that song, and it was beautiful. Um, and... While she may not be an imposing figure, um, you can tell by her voice that she has substantial things to say. And, um, and so I think we will do ourselves a favor in listening to her this morning. I just want to pray for you. So Lord, um, Brenda's already poured out quite a bit this morning, singing with us and leading us to your throne. And now she's going to give out a bit more. And so I ask that you would fill her up with everything that she needs. And then that you would um, fill her as she goes home too. Bless her as she shares with us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Eden. Okay, so I was given four scriptures and the title was the majesty of Christ. And um, I apologize for not having them up there. I didn't send them to Sarah. So you're just going to have to listen to me read them. And hopefully I can do a good job of that. <laughs> so the first one is um, Second Kings. Um, and then I'm going to read Psalm 47. And then Hebrews, passage in Hebrews. And then we're going to end off with Matthew 27. So here I go. Second Kings 24, 8. Jehoashin was 18 years old at his reign. That's pretty young. He reigned three months in Jerusalem. And the name of his mother, which is kind of interesting, they would mention mothers, but mother was Nehushta. Wow. Daughter of Elinanath. Of Jerusalem. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his troops were besieging it. The King Jehoshan of Judah surrendered to the King of Babylon himself 
and his mother and his slaves and his officers and all his officials. The king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. He brought out from the treasures of the house of the Holy One of old, the treasures of the king's house, he set up all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Holy One, which King Solomon of Israel had made, just as the Holy One had spoken. Nebuchadnezzar took into exile all Jerusalem, all the officials, all the warriors, 10,000 exiled women and men, all the artisans, the artists, and the smiths, and no one remained there except the poorest people of the land. Wow. It's a lonely. Everybody goes and you're left poor. He took Jehoashan into exile to Babylon, the king's mother, the king's women, the officials, the elite of the land. And he took into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The king of Babylon took into exile to Babylon all the valiant warriors, 7,000. The artisans, the smiths, 1,000, all of them strong and fit for war. We want to get the cream of the crop here. The king of Babylon made Mataneah, Jehoshan's uncle, king in his place, which is interesting, and changed his name to Zedekiah. So there's a lot of information there about besieging and taking over, and uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of that right now. But we're going to move on to Psalm 47. So all you peoples, clap your hands, shout to God with a joyful sound, for the sovereign God, the Most High, is awesome, a great governor over all the earth. She subdued, oh, I like this translation. She subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. She chose our heritage for us. That's a little controlling, but the pride of Rebecca's womb, whom she loves, God has gone up with a shout. Sinai's fire with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our sovereign. Sing praises. For God is sovereign over all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God rules over the nations. God is seated on her holy throne. The nobles of the peoples gather. The people of God, of Hagar and Sarah. For God, for to God belong the shields of the earth. She is highly exalted. So there's a lot of sovereignty going on in that psalm. Um, and we'll move on to Hebrews 1. Here we turn a little bit of a page from the Old Testament. Many times and in many ways, God spoke to our mothers and fathers through the prophets, fem female and male. It's usually male and female. <laughs> female and male. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom God appointed heir of all there is, and through whom God created the worlds. The son is the brilliance of God's glory and reproduction of God's very being. And the son undergirds all there is by the power of his word, his word of power. When the son had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much greater than the angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my child, today I have begotten you, or this, I will be their parent and they will be my child. Then again, God, when God brings the firstborn into the world, God says, 
Let all the angels of God worship him. On the one hand, the angel of God says, God makes winds into celestial messengers and flames of fire into God's ministers. This kind of language I don't really get, but we'll just read it because it's there. But of the sun, God says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of your realm. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So now the last one is Matthew 27. Um, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Three words. You say so. And when he was accused, how, uh, and when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. And Pilate said to him, do you hear how many accusations they're making against you? And he did not answer, not one word. And the governor was greatly astonished. Then the soldiers and the governor took Jesus to the governor's command post And they gathered the whole cohort before him. That must have been terrifying. They stopped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And having woven a crown from thorns, they put it on his head along with a reed in his right hand. And they knelt before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took a reed and struck him on his head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his clothes back on him. Then they led him away to be crucified. Now going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. And this man they constricted to carry his cross. And coming to the place called Golgotha, which means the skull place, they offered him wine mixed with vinegar to drink. And when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink, no joke. That does not sound very good. Wine and vinegar. And when they crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves, casting lots. Then they sat down, keeping watch over him there. Now they placed over his head his charge, written as, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. So that's a lot of reading. Um, Now I'm just going to, talk a little bit about what I see there. Um, Like I said, the name of this was the majesty of Christ. And majesty is, the it means impressive, stateliness, dignity, beauty, loftiness, grandeur. And um, I was thinking about this and I thought, well, you know, maybe Richard Rohr could give a sermon about the Christ. (laughs) But Hebrews was saying that in these last days, God has spoken to us through the Son. So I went with Jesus. <laughs> and um, I was reminded of Isaiah 53. It says, he has no beauty and nothing in his physical appearance that we would even notice him. And so the majesty of Christ. And then I thought Isaiah described him this way. And it's kind of a interesting um, opposite. Yeah. 
So second Kings, and I'll get back to that. Second Kings, the language of the Kings, domination, importance, prominence, ruling, reigning. There's this dichotomy. There's this above and under. There's this side taking. Kings always had to be on a side for their people. It was always side taking. It was um, just, that's the way it was. And throughout the Old Testament, we see this again and again. We see how there's besieging, there's dominance, there's, and that's kind of how we think of leadership. And, and there's no other way to do it really in, in this world. And I was thinking it's kind of hasn't changed, unfortunately, all that much. But when we think of kings and leaders, we think, well, if these are the kings of the earth, then God must be way more all these things. How does God take and take charge and and um, help us in our lives and lead us and do all of that? If he if he would be called the King of Kings, then he must be more of that, and that doesn't really sit right with me either. So, uh, but in Psalm forty seven, the the word that keeps being used over and over and over again is sovereign supreme power or authority over ruling <clears throat> taking sides dominating again it's it's this language <clears throat> it's a great psalm but it's definitely you know it even it even alludes to his shield the god god is he has the shield he's the one who's defending us and made me think of several other psalms psalm 2 and again i'm sorry you have to listen to me i forgot to send sarah the the passages. So Psalm 2, uh, verse, um, yeah, 11 and 12, it says, the Psalms are kind of full of this kind of language too. I mean, there's great things in the Psalms, but serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. I'm a little confused. I don't, I don't think I would want to run into that place of refuge. Wrath that can flare up any moment is a little bit scary to me. And then in Psalm nine, three to six, this is kind of David is, you know, he's conflicting in his life again and again. He wants, you know, he's constantly running and he's anyway, he is who he is. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you, for you, this is Psalm 9, for you have upheld my right cause. You have sat on your throne and judged righteously. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken them and you have uprooted their cities and even their memory shall perish forever. I'm like, sounds a bit harsh. (laughs) To me, it sounds a bit harsh. And um, the whole thing, again, of taking sides, saying, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's a true thing to say of God, but David had his reasons. (laughs) So I'll move to Hebrews. Um, So this passage really turns from this kind of language. And um, 
it speaks to us. I'm just going to grab it here. speaks to us of the ways God speaks to us. Uh, yeah, the passage. And many times, in many ways, God spoke to us through our mothers and fathers, through prophets, male and female. In this last days, God has spoken to us by a son, whom God appointed heir. God has spoken to us by a son, not a king. God has spoken to us through the heir of all things, not king over but heir of all things. And when we think about the life of Jesus, we think about his humanness, how he was a son, his family was poor, starting to get a very different picture of who this Jesus is. In the Old Testament, it was portrayed as God is, and now all of a sudden, we're seeing that God speaks through this very human human person. I guess that's the same thing. But <laughs> this humanness of Jesus, he was born to Joseph and Mary. They were unmarried, born in a dirty, cold place. All this is not very noble, the story of Jesus that we're told. It's not very glamorous. It's not very, let's see, majesty of Christ, impressive, stately, dignity, beauty, loftiness, grandeur, go back to that it doesn't hold any of those things not one and we have to think what what do we what do we get from this and the verse goes on to say the sun is the brilliance of god's glory and the reproduction of god's very being the sun undergirds all by the power of his word and i was thinking okay power of his word that sounds very big and over and then i thought as i was thinking about it i was i was reminded of the story in luke 5 where a woman is in a crowd it's luke uh, or mark 5 sorry and um she's been afflicted she's poor she's sick and she's trying if you've ever felt this way out of place somewhere like i don't belong here and maybe i can just get through this without anybody noticing me. This is how she was feeling probably 10 times more, trying to reach Jesus because she thought, I can just touch him and I'll be well. I can just get near him. And there's, it's the scripture says there's tons of people everywhere around and she touches him and power goes out of him and she's healed. And then Jesus says, who touched me? And all the people around say, well, everybody's touching you. You're in a crowd. It's like the, the mass transit railway in Hong Kong. You're like, oh, stuck like this. How, how would you know who touched you? Anyway, Jesus turns. And this is what I so love about the story. This woman who feels like I am nobody from nowhere. He turns and he says, daughter, to me, that's power daughter you belong you are not out an outsider you have my heart you i will touch you i will heal you and i don't mind being known for that being with you and there's also the story that came to mind was the whole thing of jesus when he was hanging on the cross saying release them i mean what 
what a powerful word that there's there's not much greater than that saying i've been humiliated i know i'm not who they say i am and all i have to say is please release them from the agony they live in from the hellish existence they have of pushing and pulling and um just being beaten down so um yeah that was those were my thoughts on that in matthew 27 um yeah i'll just find it So when he was asked if he was king, <laughs> it's interesting, three words, you say so. Like you think Pilate must have questioned so many people in his career about what they had done. That was his job to, you know, to do that. And he answered, so you say, you think, wow, no defense. Like it's quite remarkable. You think he would have been, most people would have been begging for their lives, terrified, surrounded with a cohort. And he says, not one word when they questioned him. It's, it's quite remarkable. It's, it's, he didn't, he didn't need to, to defend himself. He knew and he saw, just reminded me of, um, several stories in the new testament about jesus the one in luke 5 jesus heals a man with leprosy and he says to him afterwards he says don't tell anyone don't don't say anything i've done this great thing not needing to be seen or thanked or nothing just like he didn't defend himself so it was like who is this person who is acting so unkingly like, who is this person? And in Mark, there's a story of a widow, widow who gives out of her poverty and he sees her and he says out loud, you think you've all given something, but this woman has given, I know what she doesn't have. And she has given out of her poverty. So unkingly to see, like in the story of Kings, we, we saw that they exiled everybody but the poor. They they were all left. And every all the all the people who were good at doing something, all the rich, all the women who could have children, all the they took all of them and left the poor. And Jesus here, he just does totally the opposite. In John 4, the Samaritan woman, he goes out of his way to be with a woman he shouldn't be seen with. You all know the story. Like what the heck? Jesus, like, why, why is it that you don't mind being associated with people you should never talk to? Not, not, not the king thing to do, not the ruler thing to do. And he says, he takes, he, there's just no sides taken. He's, if he is, he's taking sides with the poor if he is taking sides. The other scripture that came to mind was uh, Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. I'm going to go there. Um, 
I call this the you have heard it said, but chapter, because he goes through, you've heard it said, you know, do not murder. But I say, you have heard it said, anyone who commits adultery, but I say, it's like he's wanting to set the record straight. He's like, you've heard all these things, but you know what? I have something else to say. I am not like the king's. I'm not going to leave the poor. I have something different to say, and you need to listen. And in Matthew 5, he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons. Interesting. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? So Jesus is just laying, just laying completely all of that, that whole we must take sides. We must um, protect ourselves. We must be above. And he just flips the whole thing. And he says, no, I must be, and we must be servants. We must be givers and not takers. And Luke, there's one more verse. And Luke 6. That's yeah, another one, um, Luke 6. <clears throat> he says, but I tell you, who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him also the other if someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Very unkingly. When you think about how we have learned about who God is in the Old Testament, there's so much that we need to shed. And it's so hard to remember because we live in a world where we feel like we need to be in that system. We need to be there in order to cope and to live. And Jesus comes along and says, it's actually not what you need. And he shows us how by the way he just takes people who nobody wants and nobody loves and no one esteems, throwaways, takes them and he embraces them. And says, you're no throwaway. And that's not, you know, that's not what we see in the Old Testament. It's not the reflection that God deserves to be seen as. And we all can, we can all take this in our lives and go, I know I've felt loved when I have not been lovely. And so just the whole line of, governing and kingship and obviously we need leaders 
But Jesus, he showed us a better way. And it's pretty clear. And it's pretty amazing. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. And look at, I just want, she used a Bible. <laughs> Woohoo! She was flipping through that like a Bible scholar. That was amazing. Oh, oh, That's right. old it's school. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I love how we're all cringing with those first verses mm -hmm. and like, oh, what is she going to do with that? And you just kept sifting and sifting and sifting until we look in the pan and there's some gold. Oh. We needed to know that. We needed to sift through the stuff that we've either been taught or we assumed or our culture has put on us. And we need to come to the gold that's, mm -hmm. that's there, that's Jesus. Um, I want to do one little exercise, maybe a 30 second exercise with you before we leave. So close your eyes, if you don't mind, just to, um, alleviate distractions. Jesus, would you show us one person who maybe hate is too strong a word, but maybe it's not someone we don't love. Can you show us the face of one person we don't love? And now, would you show us how you, Jesus, see this person? Jesus, would you help us to love this person like you love them? Give us the strength to extend ourselves in prayer to bless them. And may we reap the beautiful fruits of having done that. In your name we pray. Amen.